Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. Good morning. Boy, it's so good to be here after not being able to meet for several weeks and then coming back again, seeing all your faces and just not the same at home. Amen? So I encourage you who who are watching live stream, if you're able to get here next week, it's just a totally different experience. So much better, so much deeper. But today we're going to continue our series that we started last week. It's called The Promise of Restoration. And we're going to zero in on one aspect of that, overcoming our personal failures. We all fail sometimes, right? Raise your hands if you think you fail sometimes. Yeah, it's a universal thing. We fail sometimes. But you have to remember, and I think we sang about it, you are not defined by your failures. That doesn't define you. You have to learn to fail forward. When you make mistakes, you learn to apply those things that you've learned from those mistakes and those failures, and you move ahead. You fail forward. You know, our biggest failures, our biggest mistakes, our biggest sins are not beyond God's grace. He will forgive our failures, but oftentimes it's us. We don't forgive ourselves, but you're not what you have done. You're what God says you are. A champion. We just sang it. But you know, you have to admit some of the most devastating feelings that we, we get are from our failures. You know, you pour your heart and your soul into an endeavor, whatever it might be, whether it's a marriage or business or finance or uh, your job, you pour your heart and soul into it, and then you fail. And it feels like everything crumbles. Can I hear an amen? It can be catastrophic in our lives. But what a lot of us don't realize is our failures are really stepping stones that allow us to grow and to fail forward. We learn more about love and life and goals, and how to accomplish those goals in our life by the failures that we have. If you've ever experienced that gut-wrenching feeling of failing, you know what I'm talking about, and maybe you're going through that right now. But I want to tell you that failure makes you wiser. It makes you stronger. Amen. It makes you more attuned to what the Lord wants to do in your life. As a believer, the the failure fine-tunes and refines us so that we can move in the way God wants us to and not just have our own goals separate from him. Now, I I wanted to put together some famous failures for you. 
so that you would have an idea that is part of life. But these failures fell and, and failed forward because they eventually succeeded. And when you know their stories, you know that it wasn't easy. You know, it was difficult for them to succeed. But we have the added edge of the power of the Holy Spirit that can propel us forward even when we fail. Now, I wanted to read the first famous failure. It's from the Library of Congress. And here's what it says. Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was a young man. He ran for legislature in Illinois. He was badly swamped. He next entered business, and he failed. And he spent the next 17 years of his life paying up the debts of his worthless partner. He fell in love with a beautiful young woman. They became engaged, and then she died. He married a woman who nagged and scolded him the remainder of his life, chiefly because of his eagerness always to do something better rather than mimic those who came before him. Entering politics, he ran for Congress, was badly defeated, and then he tried to get an appointment for the United States Land Office, but he failed. He became a candidate for the United States Senate and was badly defeated. Wouldn't you have given up by then? But in 1856, he became, uh, he was in the campaign of vice presidency, and he once again was defeated. But in 1860, in the campaign for the election of the president of the United States, even though 19 of the 21 clergymen in his area and only four people who lived in Springfield, the, the town where he grew up, voted for him. He became president of the United States. He considered himself a failure, but yet we know history has placed him on the pedestal of fame. Albert Einstein, you heard of him, right? One of the greatest minds that ever lived, yet when he was four years old, he couldn't speak. He, he failed the entrance exam at a college that he, he applied for when he was 16 years old, and his father gave up on him. He, his father thought he was a failure. Well, eventually, Einstein graduated from college, but he, he became a salesman, for, an insurance salesman. And shortly after that, he quit because he failed at that. But we know the great mind that Albert Einstein had, and he was able to fail forward. Bill Gates. Bill Gates, mind-boggling when you think about how much wealth this man has. 80, I think it's close to $80 billion that he is worth. He's known as the father of modern personal computing software. I mean, we know about him because of Microsoft and all like Word and Excel and PowerPoint. But did you know that at the age of 17, he started a company and that company failed? He was able to fail forward. Colonel Harlan Sanders. He was the late founder of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Mm-mm, good. Am I getting anybody hungry? But throughout his life, he failed in just about every endeavor that he tried. But when he was 65 years old, age of retirement, right? 
He took his Social Security check of $105, and he went out with his chicken recipe and his model for um, a franchise, and he visited 1,009 restaurants before he succeeded in convincing someone to take and believe, and the rest is history. He didn't give up. He fell forward. Dr. Seuss, probably one of the most celebrated children's author of all time. He's, he's a famous failure because Dr. Seuss intended to earn his PhD in Oxford, but he failed. He dropped out of school. And after he wrote his first book, and to think I saw it on Mulberry Street, it was rejected 28 separate times. But in 1991, by the time of his birth, I mean, his death, I'm sorry, by the time of his death, he was able to sell over 600 million copies of his books that were printed in 20 different languages. So he was not a failure. He failed forward. Henry Ford, he's the father of the automobile. He brought transportation to the masses. But little do, a lot of people don't know that his first company went bankrupt. His second company, he was forced to leave, Cadillac. He was forced to leave because he had a falling out with his partners, and all he could leave with was his name. He fell forward. J.K. Rowling, one of the most uh, famous modern authors in, in modern history, you know, she wasn't poor when she grew up, but she became a single parent and struggled. She was on welfare and struggled to, to support her daughter. And it took her seven years to write her book, the first book, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Seven years. And when she finished, 12 major publishing companies rejected the book. But she fell forward. The Beatles. You heard of the Beatles, right? Probably the most famous band that walked the earth. They sold over $1.6 billion worth of albums and counting. But on New Year's Eve, you don't know the backstory, in 1961, they, they drove through a snowstorm, a blizzard, to uh, rehearse and audition for Decca Records. And one of the executives, Dick Rowe, was there listening. And here's what he said. Guitar groups are on their way out. So he wasn't signed. They weren't signed that day. But we know the rest is history. They fell forward, and George Martin picked them up with another recording studio, and we know that they fell forward. Now, the last one I want to share with you to let you know that you're not alone in your failures is Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison is by far the most famous inventor of all times. I mean, he holds 100, I'm sorry, 1,093 patents just him. But in, in attempting, his most difficult task was attempting to invent the commercially viable electric light bulb. I had to look at my notes for that because that was a mouthful. Uh, but he failed 10,000 times. And when a reporter came up to him and said, how does it feel to, to fail so much? And here's what he said. The quote should be behind me. I have not failed 10,000 times. I have not failed once. I have succeeded in proving that those 10,000 ways will not work. 
And when I have eliminated the ways that will not work, I will find the way that will work. He was able to harness those failures and fall forward, fail forward. And sometimes things that appear to be a failure in our life, it's not the time for them yet. And I know some of you, you probably all are familiar with this. Can you tell what this is? Bubble wrap. I love this. Like whenever we get a shipment here at church, I usually grab it and start to break the bubbles. But do you know, originally, this was designed to be wallpaper, bubbly wallpaper, and it was a big fail. It wasn't until later that they discovered that it was good for insulating um, greenhouses and later on the famous packing material that we now use it for. So was it a failure? No, it wasn't. It, they fell forward. And one more, Dr. Spencer Silver. He was a, he was a scientist that was um, trying to develop a strong adhesive. But what he stumbled upon was something exactly the opposite. He, he found something that stuck slightly to surfaces. And he didn't know what to do with it. It wasn't what he was looking for. It was a big fail. But years later, a scientist from 3M who was trying to develop a bookmark that would stick lightly to paper without damaging it approached him. And the post-it note was born. It wasn't a failure. It took time. See, Christians, sometimes we think we're immune to failure. You know, just because we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and that we don't have to suffer from failure. But here's what Job says. You know, God, sometimes he allows the failures for a variety of reasons to bring us to where and who he wants us to be. But here's what Job says. Mortals born of a woman are a few days and full of trouble. It doesn't say unbelievers, right? It doesn't say the ungodly. It says mortals. That includes every human being that was ever born of a woman is going to have trouble, even those who belong to God. We're to expect it. It's not a surprise. That means that God doesn't promise life without problems and without failures. Even to the disciples, as they, the Lord was sending them out, I want to read something to you. God was preparing them to fail, right? Luke 9, 1 through 5. Jesus had called the 12 disciples together. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he told them, take nothing with you on your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. See, in this text, Jesus was uh, really preparing them to preach the gospel and to perform miracles. And he empowered them to heal the sick and to demonstrate the power of God. But he also wanted them 
to know how to handle failure. And that's what it means here in this verse where it says, if people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet. And when you leave their town as a testimony against them, he wanted them to understand. And we who witness often understand the feeling that what you feel rejected and as a failure when you share the good news and people don't receive it, we feel like we fail. But he meant shake the dust off your feet. That meant move on, move ahead, plow forward. Jesus even said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. So those kind of failures are really a badge of honor when you think about it. When we feel failure coming against us, sometimes the first reaction is to quit or to run uh, you know, I've had it. I'm not doing this anymore. Have you ever been there? You know, it's done. But when it comes to sin, you know, we're all capable of avoiding sin. We can. But God knows that we fail at that, right? All sin and fall short, right? So we fail at that. And that's not a surprise to God when we fail and we sin. That's why he sent God the Son to die for our sins, we get back up. We start over. Of course, we're not doing it alone. We're doing it with the Lord. We keep our eyes on the Savior. And what Hebrew says, let us throw off everything that hinders us, that sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. See, God has marked out a race, a, a plan a road for you to follow. And sometimes it includes your failures. But when we cling to the Lord, even our failures become tools in his hands. Paul knew this. Paul knew this very well. Here he was groomed. He was a Pharisee, a leader of the Jewish people, groomed to be the next high priest, the Jewish high priest. I mean, as a youngster, he attended religious training, and it was a done deal. He, he excelled in everything he did. It was a done deal. Everything he strived to become, everything he wanted to do and be, became shattered in a moment. He was on a mission to arrest Christians. He called them blasphemers. He wanted to arrest them and imprison them. And on the road to Damascus, he was thrown off his horse and encountered Jesus Christ and was blinded by that encounter. Didn't he fail his mission? He failed. He failed in his mission. He failed in his career. Because Paul, God had other plans for Paul. Paul the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul, the one who, we talked about it earlier, he became the first missionary in history, was able to spread the good news of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles and to the then-known world. God had different plans for Paul. Paul failed in his career, but he was able to fail forward in God's purpose. He writes this, Paul writes this in Philippians, I am not saying this because I'm in need, for 
I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. See, Paul realized that despite his failures and his weaknesses, God could bring success. Can I hear an amen? Every one of us has sinned, and the results of sin is guilt. And we can be thankful for guilty feelings because those guilty feelings are the things that will drive us to God. Our mistakes, the minute we turn from them, our sins, our failures, the minute we turn to Jesus Christ in faith, it's forgiven. That's God's grace, God's grace at work. We don't deserve it. But it's our failures that oftentimes lead us to the Lord to receive that amazing grace. I read in Max Lucado, I have a devotional at home. It's 365 days, and he, I love Max Lucado. He's, he's such a great author. I mean, he's written over 40 books. But this one in particular, I wanted to read this day when he talked about grace. He said this, grace is God as heart surgeon, cracking open your chest, removing your heart, poisoned as it is with pride and pain, and replacing it with his own. Rather than tell you to change, he creates the change. Do you clean up so he can accept you? No, he accepts you. He accepts you and begins cleaning you up. His dream isn't just to get you into heaven, but to get heaven into you. What a difference that makes. Can't face tomorrow. Can't forgive your past. Christ can. And he's on the move, aggressively budging you from graceless to grace-shaped living. Grace moves beyond mercy. Mercy gave the, forgave the prodigal son and gave him a second chance but grace threw him a party. Mercy forgave the thief on the cross, but grace escorted him to paradise. Grace always gives more. The Most people embrace the idea that good, God saves good people. Is that really true? So be good, be moral, be honest, be clean, be decent, pray the rosary, uh, keep the Sabbath, uh, pray uh, facing east five times a day. Earn merit badges. Pay your taxes. These are all things that people think in order to be in God's good graces. Yet for all this talk about being good, nobody can answer the fundamental question, when and what is good enough? At stake is our eternal destination. Shouldn't we know what's good enough? We know more about the, the dinner um, ingredients in a lasagna dish than we know what's necessary to get us to heaven. God has a better idea, and that's grace. For it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God so that no one can boast. We contribute nothing, nada, zip, zilch, zero to the equation. 
there's nothing we can do to earn God's forgiveness, to his salvation, as opposed to a merit badge of a scout. Salvation of your soul is an unearned gift. So how do we overcome our personal failures? How do we overcome the guilt and discouragement we feel on this road of life? You'll never conquer failure until you stop condemning yourself. God's grace is sufficient for your mistakes because all sin causes guilt in a sinner. And that guilt either drives us to God's forgiveness or it'll harden our hearts because of the pain. Guilt can be a major factor in a lot of psychological problems. So what do we do? How do we handle? How do we overcome? How do we handle this failure, this feeling that we failed? Well, the first step in dealing with guilt and the feeling of failure is repentance. To repent means change one's attitude and behavior. The definition says repentance is a mental decision that produces an act of the will resulting in a change of action. And everyone who repents, who truly repents, won't go deliberately, won't go on deliberately sinning. I'm not saying you won't fail again. You might fail and trip up, but then you repent again and you move ahead. You fail forward. Confession. The biblical concept of confession means to say the same thing. It means to agree with God. It means when we confess our sins to God, we're just saying to God, I agree that what I did was wrong. It was against your laws. And by acknowledging God's standard as just, we can fail forward. Confession leads to a clear conscience and that heals the soul that is guilty. Without a clear conscience, you can never resolve your guilt and you can never overcome your feeling of failure. So the goal of repentance and confession is a clear conscience. When we turn, we turn from our um, guilt and we confess, it frees us. It's the opposite of a guilty conscience to have a clear conscience. Every time we honestly confess our sins, we remove the guilt and the feelings of guilt and the feelings of, of being a failure. The next thing we need to do is accept the forgiveness. God's willing to forgive you for your failures, but you have to forgive yourself. Jesus constantly emphasized this when he said he came into the world to save sinners, not to condemn them. So by condemning yourself, you're rejecting God's offer of grace and forgiveness and pardon. If you refuse his cleansing, you refuse the only solution to restoration, the only solution to overcoming your failures. You know, salvation is instantaneous. Conversion happens in a split second, but spiritual growth is a process, and it takes a lifetime And learning to face our failures and our guilt, that's part of the process. Nobody's perfect. 
We all stand guilty before God, but he knows us best and he forgives us the most. So if he's willing to forgive you, whatever your failures, whether they're academic or economic or marital, moral, professional, social, whatever your failings, God is willing to forgive you. When we accept God's forgiveness for our failures, we stop punishing ourselves because self-punishment just leads to more guilt. We get trapped sometimes in self-punishment. So I love the, the hymn writer write it like the, wrote it like this. He said, the price has already been paid, right, for our failures and our sins. Here's what, what the hymn writer wrote. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Though we don't deserve it. I mean, his atonement is sufficient for our sin. That's what grace is all about. It's unearned, unmerited favor before us. Here in scripture says in Ephesians 1.7, in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So through Christ, we never give up. The longer you live, the longer you're going to realize that you're going to fail. And the longer you live, you're going to fail more often. But you have to recognize there's benefits to that that we learn from our failures, that we allow the Holy Spirit to use our failures and direct us out of that into the new place that he wants us to become, just like he did to the apostle Saul. The key to overcoming failure is to recognize that God is using it. He's using it. You have to face it. If you fail, you have to face your problem. If you don't confess it, if you don't acknowledge it and take personal responsibility for your failings, you can't correct the problem. Sometimes we fail because it's humanly impossible. We're not capable of succeeding. And I love this example. I love to snow ski, okay? But I don't have the ability to be part of the Olympic team and ski in the Winter Olympics. It doesn't mean I'm a failure, right? God doesn't call you to do something that he doesn't equip you to do. Don't spend the rest of your life feeling like a failure because you're doing something that God never called you to do. Most of us have dreams, and some of those dreams are never realized. That doesn't mean we failed. Sometimes we overlook the successes that God gives us and we think we failed. There's many things that we can do for the glory of God. But don't let failure discourage you. Move ahead. Fall forward. Accept the reality that all humans fail and know that God is... There's limitations. God even said in Psalm 103, he knows how we're formed. He remembers we're dust. 
so we can fail. He knows that. But even Babe Ruth, in his day, during he had the, the record for home runs in a season, but he also led the league for the most amount of strikeouts. But he was able to fall forward, fail forward. So many people never overcome their failures because they never forgive themselves. Instead of moving ahead, they mentally continue to punish themselves. And if you failed, just admit it and start over again. Proverbs 28 says this, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So confession is the key to shaking off your failures and overcoming your failures, shaking off your past. Fail, to fail does not mean that you're a failure. Everyone fails sooner or later. And if you try to hide it, it's going to haunt you. If you confess it, you'll conquer it. Anybody want to just conquer that today? Overcome your failings? The author reminds us in Proverbs 24, 16, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. But the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Don't give up. God's not finished with you. The process of spiritual growth and maturity takes a lifetime. It's just the beginning. I, I love the scripture when I first got saved, and I, and I still love it. Uh, in Philippians 1.6, it says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. God will use your failures, even your shortcomings. Don't give up. God has something for you to do. He has an assignment, and he'll continue to work in and through you until he comes again or until you see him. Failure is not the end. It's just a trouble spot along the way. Once you can forgive yourself, you can live in the freedom of God's grace. Life can take on new joy and new creativity. You have a new sense of direction, of freshness. You're not bogged down by your failures, but it's a process. Restoration is a process. God promises restoration, but it's a process. Scripture tells us that the goal of a process of restoration is service. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 1 and 2 uh, I'm sorry, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2 says this. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, that would be a failing. You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves so that you also, you will, you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in that way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. See, restoration is the point. To restore means to put back into service. It's being, more, it's being useful again. You know, when, if I broke my bone in my arm, my arm would be useless for a while. I'd have to set it aside. It would have to be inactive for a time until it mended and healed. 
And then after it's healed and exercised, it can be back into service. And that's the same thing with us. When we fail sometimes, we have to heal. And sometimes that takes time. Sometimes it takes a period of inactivity to mend. Your failure might require some time to heal. Even Saul, I used him as an example. The Apostle Paul had a period of time after everything shattered for him. He had a time of inactivity so that he could be restored for usefulness. Let's look at Galatians 1, verses 13 through 19. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how I intensely persecuted the church of God, and I tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many my own age among my people. I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I may preach among the Gentiles. My immediate response, I want you to get this, was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went to Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Here's the key here. Then, after three years, Say that with me. After three years, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. See, God changed his course. He thought he was a failure. Paul thought he was a failure. But God had to heal and mend and restore him to purpose. Like the Apostle Paul Perhaps God allowed failure in your life to change your course. Maybe you're in that place of healing right now. But eventually, God will open, reopen those opportunities for you to serve, no matter what went wrong. He doesn't want to leave you on the sidelines forever. But your self-talk might be, well, I'm a failure. I can never overcome this to, you know, this self-condemnation. You have to believe that God is greater than your failure. Faith is the key to victory over failure. The Apostle Paul said this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the reason I repeated that verse is I want you to look at the verse. Look at the words, faithful and just. God will forgive your failings. You have to forgive yourself. Understanding forgiveness is not enough. You have to have faith that you're forgiven. And the key key to the whole process is stop condemning yourself. You can't undo your past. You can't undo your failings. But you can change your future. Amen? Maybe other people won't forget your mistakes, but God forgets them, and he forgives them. Remember, God sees everything from the beginning to the end. He's not bogged down in the mire of your, whatever the immediate problems that you're in or failures. He can see you beyond them. 
Trust him. Trust him in those dark times, in those valleys. Trust him to forgive you, to restore you to service. Now, I started this service saying that your biggest failures and sins and mistakes are not bigger than God's grace. You're not what you have done. You're what God says you are. You're forgiven. You're empowered to do all things through Christ who loves you. You're not forgotten. You're his chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are precious in his sight. You are separated for holy purposes. He has a plan and a purpose for you. You're his mouthpiece in this generation, speaking life to every situation that he places you in. You're the fragrance of Jesus, dispensing that fragrance wherever you go. That's who you are empowered by his spirit. Christ took the punishment that we all deserve for our sins, mistakes, and our failures. But he wants to set you free. He wants to set you free for his desired end so that you could fall forward into that place where he wants you. As far as the east is from the west, he's forgiven you. Will you forgive yourself for your failings? He's tossed it into the sea. He's forgotten them. Will you? He sees the beginning, the middle, and the end. He's involved in every process of your life. And he's calling some of you today. He's calling some of you to recommit, to confess, so that you can be restored. And I'm going to ask everybody, if you would just bow your heads with me today. And if you feel contempt, uh, if you compel, if you feel compelled to get out of your seat and come forward, the, the front is opened or just stand, stand to your feet, you can do that as proclaiming, yes, Lord, I want a clean conscience. I want to be forgiven. You know, today he's calling some of you by faith. Maybe you never received the author, the, the offer of eternal life. You've never accepted Jesus Christ. You've never become a new creation in him. He's calling many people, maybe you're home watching, to follow the steps of repentance and confession so that you can be restored and you can be refreshed and you can be brought back off the sidelines and back into the field. Will you come clean before him? Those of you who feel you want to make a renewed commitment to him, you want to confess and be restored, I want you to stand to your feet right now, wherever you are, if that's you. You're willing to fail forward into the future. You're trusting God with the end. Maybe things failed, things that you were planning to do or become, they didn't pan out. But God has a better plan. He has a bigger plan. He wants you to fail forward into the future. Who wants to trust him? Will you stand to your feet? No matter what comes your way, 
Do you believe that God can use your failures, that God could teach you, that God could lead you, that God could guide you into greater purposes, into usefulness for the kingdom? God has a plan for your, you personally. He's able to do mighty things through you. Will you stop condemning yourself? Will you trust him? He wants to restore you. He promises to restore you to usefulness. Will you forgive yourself? Forgive yourself. Whatever that failure might be. Maybe some of you have failed in a marriage. Maybe in business. Maybe career. Maybe your academic plans. God has a plan. He has a plan and a purpose. Everything is a stepping stone so that you can fail forward for his purposes. Will you just confess to him and acknowledge him? Yes, I need restoration. I need you. I need you now more than anything to forgive me, to restore me to point me in a new place, in a new direction, to help me to learn from my past mistakes that nothing is too big and far from your grace, that you love me. Thank you, Lord. Lord, everyone, Lord, who's standing, you know their hearts. You know their past. You know what's going on even right now. And Lord, they are committed to you to surrender it all, to confess so that they can be restored and come clean and be used for the rest of their lives. And in Jesus' name, we pray. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for this day to be together. We thank you for your promise of restoration. And Lord God, we thank you for the renewed commitment to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch on demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.